In Jesus' name, amen. You may be, you may be seated. Thank you for standing. So if you were um, here on, on Sunday morning, I continued on my character study, and we talked about the Apostle Thomas. So there's another gentleman in the Bible tonight that I think would be good to kind of shed some light on. I believe he's a very uh, important man in, in the Bible, and his life teaches us a lot of things. And, um, and so I guess my question is, what would you do if you were the richest man or the richest person alive? Anybody know who the richest person is right now? Jeff Bezos. John, Jeff Bezos. He's the owner of Amazon. I think they said that if they took his salary or took what he made in a year, it would be enough to feed all of the employees of Amazon breakfast, lunch, and dinner for a whole year, something like that. So... Um, but he has a lot of problems recently. I don't know, last year or so, some things surface. And so, um, so, and then what would you do if you could possess anything your heart desired or if you had the world at your fingertips, right? So these are the questions, and there was a man in the Bible that had all of these at his dis- disposal, and that is King Solomon. And that's who I want to talk a little bit about tonight is Solomon. Solomon um, saw, saw it all. He had it all. And he did it all. He had all the houses you could want. He had all the money you could have, the servants, the yachts, the cars. Well, horses back then. And, and, all, and all the women you could have. Yet even with all these things, Solomon struggled with three very simple questions that a lot of people still ask today. That is, who am I? What is my purpose? And do I matter? I know we have a small crowd tonight, but I felt good in the Holy Ghost when I was kind of studying and preparing for this lesson. Hope is for, I just hope it's for somebody. And so we know Scripture tells us Solomon is the wisest man to have ever lived. He had everything, but even though he had everything, something in his life was still missing. It was a puzzle piece that was missing. Anyone ever put together a puzzle? You work so hard. And you cannot find that last piece. And that last piece is the head of somebody important. You spend all that time, and that piece is gone. Your child chewed it up or something happened, and, and then you're like, I, what? <laughs> you're not going to hang that up on your wall, right? And so Solomon had a missing puzzle in his life. He had a missing or an empty void. And so Ecclesiastes 2 and 8 and um, and a. Brother Matt, you don't have to jump to that right away if you can't. I kind of just gave him a a, um, a mass of, of scriptures right before service. And so um, it says Ecclesiastes 2 and 8, and I'm reading uh, from the um, NIV, and you have there the King James Version. It says, I gathered me also silver and gold and peculiar treasures of kings and of the provinces. I got me singers women, singers, and the the, the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments, and that of all sorts, all sorts. So Solomon had, he had everything. He had all sorts. So we don't, none of us in this room, um, had the kind of money or the resources that Solomon had. Um, But I'm glad that the Lord allowed 
a man to have everything, possess everything, had the money to afford everything, bought everything, and then wrote down what his experiences are. So we don't have to go through all that and make the same mistakes that he did. So delving quickly into what he learned. So if you ever wondered what it would be like to have anything you wanted and how it felt, God put a man in the Bible named Solomon to experience all that for you. And all you got to do is just read about it in the book of Ecclesiastes. So let's go quickly into the study of Solomon and what he learned. There are three things, what he saw, what he did, and ultimately what he found out. And so um, one of the main things he found is that people come and go. Ecclesiastes 1, chapter 2 through 4, the word of the Lord says, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit hath a man of all his labor which he had taken under the sun? One generation passes away and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. And so he says that we as people go through infancy, childhood, teenagers, adolescence, adulthood, old age, and then finally we, we, we pass on to our eternal destination. And so Solomon looks at all this and he says that existence seems like a meaningless cycle. And life altogether seems meaningless. Remind you, this is a man who has everything at his disposal. And he says life is nothing more than being born and going to a funeral and everything in between. I heard a man tell me when you die, all they have is the year you're born and the year that you die. And in between is a dash. That is a measure of how short our life is. Nothing, next thing he learned is nothing progresses in nature. He says the moon and the sun revolve in a big circle. He says, as a matter of fact, there's nothing new under the sun. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 4 through 7. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastes to his place when he arose. The wind goes to the south, turns to the north. It whirls about continually. We're talking about a meaningless life tonight. And the wind runneth again according to his circuits. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. Unto the place from whence the rivers come, thither they return again. You know rivers run into the ocean. The ocean collects water into clouds. Clouds dumps it back into the top of mountains. And then we have a cycle like life. Life is a big cycle going and going in a circle. Amen. Anybody feel like you're going in a circle sometimes? <laughs> I do. All things are full of labor. Next thing he realized is that, women, is that uh, humanity is never satisfied. That if we have one thing, we desire another. We have an iPhone 5. Everyone wants an iPhone 6. And then the price keeps going up on the iPhone. Sorry if you're a Droid fan. Androids are still just as expensive. And everyone, once the iPhone 7 comes out, Everyone's in line. I, I read. I heard on the news people lining up for the iPhone X, L, D, S, G, L, T, something like that. I don't know what that is. I have an iPhone 6, and it's pink. And people make fun of me. Oh, Tomorrow you got a pink phone. Yeah, I'll tell you why. Four letters, F-R-E-E. -E. I didn't have to pay for it. And it works, and I can call somebody. I can still text. So it has the basics of survival. 
for work, I have an on-call phone. That's a flip phone. My goodness, I'm embarrassed to bring that out in public. Well, I, I, I bust that thing out, open at Chili's uh, with all of our kids. Everyone moved to another table. They're like, no, 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 no. You're not opening that up here. They, or one of them looked at me and said, is that a beeper? <laughs> Might as well be a beeper. It doesn't work like a phone. Hardly get any signal on it. So um, nothing is new. Everyone is after uh, something new. Everyone's after more money, faster cars, bigger speakers, more relationships, more friends, better education, a better job, a different spouse. The list goes on and on and on and on and on, and they chase after the good life. It's funny how her brother Moore said, if you ever watch people fishing, everybody in the middle of the lake is trying to cast towards the shore. And everybody on the shore is trying to cast towards the la- in the middle of the lake. And the purpose is that we always believe that the biggest catch is always the furthest thing away from us. And so it's an illusion and nothing new in life. And then that's the next thing Solomon learned. There's nothing new in life. Life is boring. People try to be cool. Kids still rebel against their parents. People try to invent new things to make them happy. But in the end, it's all the same. It's all the same. Same sin, same people, just packaged differently. Amen. Verse 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 9 through 10. The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing. Everyone say no new thing. Under the sun. This is written over 2,000 years ago. There still isn't anything new under the sun. Is there anything where it may be said, see, this is new? It hath been already of old time, which was before us. Then he learned that no one remembers you when it's all said and done. Chapter 1, verse 11. There is no remembrance of former things, neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come after. Amen. So what's the point? What's the point? All the Solomon concluded with his observation. Finally, he writes pen to paper, verse 14. He says, I have seen all the works that are done of spirit. Everything that we see is vanity. Everything that we do is vanity and meaningless, and we work so hard for nothing. So in other words, he says, life is pointless, it's trivial, it's vain, it's empty, it's hopeless, it's depressing and worthless. It's a worthless walk in the dark. My goodness. Brother Tuan, you are so doom and gloom tonight. Amen. I hope to turn it a little bit around and encourage somebody. So verse, and so then what did he do? He said, well, this is what I see, so let me go out and do it and experience it for myself. You know, ever met those kind of people? They don't listen to you. Don't touch the stove. It's hot. Ah, no, it's not. And then they touch it and they experience it themselves. Don't have a baby out of wedlock. <laughs> I did it. Not me. I'm using an example. Nah, I did it. I had three kids and working at McDonald's overtime is not fun. Trust me. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's what you say, Mom. Let me experience it for myself. Speaking a little bit of truth, I hope. So, what did, what did Solomon do? He said, well, let me get educated. Educated, educated, educated. You got to get smarter. Education is the uh, door of opportunities. So, he went and got an education. Chapter 1, verse 17. 
And I gave my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this is also vexation of spirit. He had a GPA of 4.0, graduated top 10 in his class, part of the honor society, went to an Ivy League school, got a doctor's degree. Essentially, I'm translating all this to biblical information. And he says that uh, all of this actually is vanity because the next verse says, for in much wisdom is much grief. You ever notice the more degrees someone has and the smarter they have, the more theories they have that they really don't understand? You know, science is just a theory. I learned that in school. And all this hypothesis stuff, it's just theory. People theorize it. He says, well, all that is a waste. Because the smarter I get, the more I realize it means nothing. And so I spent all this money. I'm not even going to talk to you about the student loan debt crisis right now, but that's just something for another day. Let me see here. I don't want to take too long. So he says, oh, that's meaningless. He moves on. He moves on and says, well, let me have some fun with life. Let me have some fun with life. Anybody know those kind of people? Bun- bun- bungee jump off the Golden Gate Bridge. My goodness. There, there are videos of people with, with GoPro cams doing backflips off of Niagara Falls. Oh, my God. Fearless. They think that life is chasing the. That's right. Life is chasing the thrill. Bungee jump, cow tipping, mailbox smashing. That's not nice. All kinds of different stuff. And each thrill is topped by another. And um, ultimately, that kind of fun is like cotton candy. Everybody had cotton candy. I know everybody has cotton candy. It tastes good to the mouth, and it leaves you hungry. What is that? That's the worst mirage ever. Big old thing of cotton candy. You hold on a stick. You eat all that up, and you're still hungry. But it tastes good. Chapter 2, verse 1 says, I said in my heart, go to now, I will prove thee with myrrh. Therefore, enjoy pleasure. Enjoy, enjoy pleasure. People seek pleasure. They think that that's where it is. And behold, this is also vanity. I said of laughter. Then he got a bunch of comedians around him. He sat around and watched a bunch of Tim Hawkins on YouTube. I'm just kidding. Watched a lot of, I was over at, we were over at a brother and sister Barkley's house last weekend. Man, they, they made wonderful, wonderful Dinner for us, spaghetti, beautiful house. And um, no, we didn't talk about the Lord. We sat around and watched stand-up comedy. It was fun. It was funny. We had a good time. They are laughing. <laughs> I went home and watched some more of that, actually. So he, he had a lot of comedians get around him, and he tried to laugh it up. And, and then he realized something about laughter. He says, it is mad and of myrrh. What doeth it? Because he realized that when the laughter is over, the pain is still, the pain is still there. Amen. Laughter can't drown out life's miseries. Laughter is meaningless. Meaningless. Everyone say meaningless with me. Meaningless. Amen. More things. He tried to have more things. He built massive gardens, ponds, vineyards. In today's language, he had everything he could want. Every toy, gidget, gasmo, anything you can ask. But he realized that he became a slave to his toys, and in the end, all the things he had was meaningless. 
Amen. Verse 2, verse 4 through 6. I made me great works. I built me houses. I plant vineyards. I made gardens and orchards. I plant trees in them of all kinds of fruits. I made pools of water to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth the trees. I got me servants and maids and had servants born in my house. Also, I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. And everything was meaningless. And then he tried to be popular. I read that to you. He tried to be popular, tried to get an image. He hired more servants because he felt that that might make him feel popular. But he realized that popularity just goes with the trend. And that when, as soon as you're not the latest thing, everyone moves on from you. And so that is meaningless. Then he realized, well, let me see if joy is in the money. Joy is in the money. Historians tell us Solomon's net worth per year was 25 tons of gold. That's $27 million he had coming into his possession every single year, and that's tax-free, which is the best part. And with all the money, Solomon bought everything in sight. But everything he bought and everything he had was still void, empty, and meaningless. Meaningless. And cash was a counterfeit for contentment. We know this story. After all this, he thought that it was what he was looking for. He thought the meaning of life was in the other person. And he sought women after women after women. And history tells us he had, in the end, 700 wives, 300 concubines, seeking all that love, and he still felt empty, and all of it was meaningless. I'm telling you, you don't have to go through all this. God put a man and brought him through all this stuff, so you don't have to experience it, right? We can think of people right now in our minds, people in our lives, people on television, the news, people we know, actors, celebrities, all kinds of stuff, going through each one of these stages that Solomon tried and found that All of it was meaningless. All of it was meaningless. Then he said, well, it's good to be king. Chapter 2, verse 10. And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor. And this was my portion of all my labor. He said, well, he felt like God. His word had power. Whatever he told somebody to do, they went and did. He had the power to hire to fire, to demote, to promote, and to execute. And he said, in the end, all of this is nothing. And he makes a very interesting interesting verse of Scripture, chapter 2, verse 11. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit. There was no profit under the sun. It was like chasing the wind. It was like chasing the wind. I thought that verse was in here. But he said, ultimately, in the end, everything he did and he chased after, it was like chasing the wind. Anybody want... Wonder or know if you can catch the wind? You can't catch the wind. It's an illusion. The wind goes where it wants. 
So let me shoot it straight for you. He said, I'll pretty much, he sums it up. He says, all these things, money, possessions, popularity, women, do give uh, a, a, a temporary feeling of fulfillment, importance, and happiness, but they are only cheap. They are only cheap substitute for the real thing. And that's what I want to teach about, preach a little bit about the real thing. Amen. We're all here because we need the real thing. Solomon finally wised up, plugged into, plugged the missing ingredient into his, his life-size jigsaw puzzle. He was rich, he was handsome, he was highly intelligent, but he knew that first and foremost, he was a spiritual being. And we're all spiritual beings tonight, and we're all a living soul, and there's no amount of mental, physical, or emotional trinkets that you can have that can plug up that hole in your heart. That soul, that part of a human being. That you cannot see. So Solomon came down with three conclusions, or, or he came down with this conclusion to unlocking the door of meaning and happiness. If you're wondering why am I here, what's the meaning of life, and all this, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you right now. It's pretty simple. He says that to enjoy life fully, Ecclesiastes chapter two, verse twenty-four and twenty-five, and this is my text really tonight. There is nothing better for a man than that he should eat. And drink that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. This I saw that it was from the hand of God. Nothing better for a man to eat and drink and make his soul enjoy his good labor, and it will be so if it comes from the hand of God. For who can eat or who who's, who else can hasten thereunto? More than I. For God giveth to a man that is good in his sight wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner he giveth travail to gather and to heap up that he may give to him that is good before God. This also is vanity and vexation of spirit. Amen. uh, The the NIV says, to the man who pleases God, God gives him wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. And this is the conclusion that Solomon had. This is the conclusion in the study of his life is that... Real, lasting fun, enjoyment, and satisfaction can't be experienced until we bring God into our lives. It will be good, and you will enjoy it only if it comes from the hand of God. And to do that, you have to involve God into our lives. True fun is a gift from God because the things you enjoy are the things he made. Let me say this. If I make them... It won't be long before it won't be fun. But empty, painful, and meaningless. But if God makes them, it will be fun, fulfilling, and meaningful. But you've got to put God into the mix. He is the secret ingredient. You ever heard of the active ingredient in something? God is the active ingredient in our lives. Without it, nothing moves and works together. But when you put God into it, things begin to activate. And everything has a purpose. And everything has a point, And life doesn't become meaningless anymore. Amen. Proverbs 10 and 22. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. Matt doesn't have this, but that's okay. Proverbs 10 and 22. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. The Lord told me when you try to produce it yourself, it will produce sorrow. But if you would involve God and let him produce it, it will make rich. (laughs) I said it will make rich. 
and he'll put no sorrow in everything that you get. Involve God in some of the most major decisions of your life, and he will bless it. 2009, I graduated high school. It's the first one in my home to graduate high school. Didn't know what to do for a college career. I job shadowed an engineer. I job shadowed a pharmacist. I job shadowed a couple of doctors. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was taking some classes, kind of just meandering around, and finally I had enough. And I sat in my 97 Toyota Corolla with my hands on the steering wheel. And I prayed to God in the middle of an empty parking lot. I said, God, what do you want me to do? Just came to the Lord, hadn't received the Holy Ghost much long since then. But I knew, I didn't know what I wanted to do. But I knew whatever I wanted to do, I wanted God to be in it. And I wanted, I really wanted to go to medical school. I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. And he said, no, you're not going to do that. Spoke to me in the middle of that car. He says, because you're going to give your life to medicine. And I don't want you to give your life to medicine. I want you to give your life to me. I want you to find a career where you learn how to take care of people because it will prepare you for ministry. And nursing came to my mind. I did some research, applied, got into the ADN program at Lee College. God has blessed me since I graduated uh, uh, um, uh, as a nurse at, at, at Lee College some classes I, I, I didn't pass. They gave me a second chance, lots of prayers. Um, um, and Sister Howe knows what I'm talking about. Stressful, stressful time in my life. Graduated. God took care of everything. Went to work at San Jacinto Methodist Hospital. I cared for the elderly. I cared for the drug addict. I cared for the biker. I took care of a biker who was the lead, lead guy of um, Hell's Angels. And I didn't know it. He was so sweet. Yeah, until you uh, cross him the wrong way. But people, odd people come visit him throughout the day. Odd people, they're all in biker jackets. And I was like, mm, who, it's going, who am I taking care of? And so took care of people, took care of politicians, young people, drug addicts, elderly, people from all different walks of life. Took care of people in the sickest moments of their life. Took care of a lady who had cancer that metastasized to her bones. And all she did was sit in her room and scream all day. Looked at me and said, Tim, they called me Tim in the hospital. Why am I going through this? 22-year-old kid, I don't know. And I sat there as I gave her some more hydromorphone to ease her pain. I'm telling you, and I have not regretted my decision to be a nurse at all. God took care of it financially. Let me tell you, when you pay tithes, you are telling God, I want you involved in my finances. Hallelujah. And if you involve God in your finances, he'll make it worth your while. I went and graduated with an ADN degree debt-free. I went to University of Texas Health Science Center, San Jacinto Methodist Hospital, took care of it. Then after that, I went to, to, uh, to get my, my gra- graduate, graduate degree as a nurse practitioner. I did all of that debt-free free. God took care of everything. I don't care what the news says about student loan debt. Not me. Because guess what? When you pay your tithes and you keep God involved, I'm I'm getting a little excited for y'all tonight. I know you're not used to this. Amen. I felt the Holy Ghost when I was studying this. I'm getting somewhere. And I kept God involved. Keep God involved in everything, in your finances, in your life. He will bless it, and he'll put no sorrow to it. I have not regretted a single 
today as a nurse, and today I, I work as a provider, and I see people. I, see, I work in men's health. I see men from all different lives, different walks of life. I see rich men, uh, 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 men who are struggling, men who've done this and that, and they sit in an office, look at me in the eyes, and are looking for help, and I feel the pain of the human soul, and I think that that has prepared me for ministry more than Bible college ever will. Where's Brother Tyler? He's not in here. Where's Tyler? Tyler wants to go to Bible college. I said, I said, tell Tyler, don't go to Bible college. Be a nurse. Be a radiology tech. Be something that you deal with people, understand people, know their hurts and their pains. Amen. Not a bunch of theory. Not a bunch of theory. Hmm. Hallelujah. Amen. Pouring my heart out a little bit tonight. My wife's not in here. My wife's not in here. Oh, she's back there. So I'm going to not say something I wasn't supposed to. I scanned like five times. You see that? You never know. You never know. You just always feel like somebody's watching you. Amen. Amen. Searching for, for love of my life as a young man trying to figure out what to do. Sought God's direction. God dealt with my pastor. He gave me a call. Wanted me to ask my wife out. My my wife out. I said, okay. Someone that beautiful and out of my league. All right, then. Called her that night. She was in, she was in class. Sep kept sending, sending me the voicemail. I said, all right, God. This ain't stopping me. She thought, well, she thought I was a stranger. Anyways, we courted. Got married, have two beautiful children. I haven't regretted a single day of it because when you involve God, he will bless and he will not add sorrow. He will not add sorrow. Involve God. Involve God. Amen. We were looking for a home. Some of you know we're under contract for a house over here in um in Mont Bellevue. I said, there's no way I'm going to be able to afford a home in Mont-, Mont Bellevue. I'll close here pretty soon. There's no way I can afford a house in Mont Bellevue. They're all growing up, going up in value. Boom, a house popped up. One lonely house out there. We went to look at it. We liked it. I said, well, should we put up an offer on it? I talked with some of uh, Brother Doskasil a little bit about it and a few other, a few other of the men. Put an offer on the home. Not only did he brought, not only did he bring that the price down, but he took. He's going to take care of closing costs, so it's ten thousand dollars less than what it is that uh, 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 it was listed for. And God blesses, and He adds no sorrow to it. Yeah, I'm trying to tell somebody: keep God involved in your life. That is the key. That is what Solomon found out. He said, I've done everything. I've tried everything. There's nothing new under, under the sun. But when you involve God, there is something new. When you involve God, it's not over. When you involve God, there will be no sorrow to anything that you put your hands to. Amen. Amen. The Bible says, Psalms 23 and 5. I'll just read it to you. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. When you don't involve God, your cup will have holes and it will never be full. But if God, but if with God, your cup will not only be full, but it'll run over.
He'll give you enough money, you can bless somebody else. He'll give you enough joy, you, 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 can, you can flow it over to somebody else. He can give you enough happiness, not just to satisfy you, but you'll be able to touch the life of somebody else. He'll give you peace, he'll give you love that will overflow, and you'll pour into the life of others. But you've got to involve God. He is the key ingredient. He is the active ingredient in our lives and in the life of a human being. A man lived this. He had it all. He experienced it all, and he said it all was nothing. But when I involved God, then life was worth living. Hallelujah. When you please God and involve him in anything and everything, you will get joy. That is, I mean, you will get a life that is fulfilling, and you will enjoy life to the fullest when it's with God. When it's with God. Hope I'm preaching to somebody. Hope I'm teaching to somebody. Without God, life is pointless. Life is trivial. Life is vain. Life is empty. Life is hopeless. Life is depressing. Life is worthless. Walk in the dark. But with God, life has a point. Life is important. Life is no longer in vain. Life is fulfilling. Life is hopeful. Life is joyful. And it's worthwhile walking in his light. Without God, you'll always be chasing the wind. You will never catch the wind. But with God, the wind chases you. The wind chases you and it'll consume you. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, there, was, there were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing, mighty wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And it filled everybody in that room. Without God, you'll always chase the wind. But with God, the wind will chase you and find you and consume you and give you a life that's worth living and no longer meaningless but meaningful. Meaningful. Amen. Genesis 2 and 7. When Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. And man was just there. Man was just going through the motions. Man was just going through the routine, the monotony, the same old thing day in and day out, like the sun and the moon that revolves our life. It's the same thing every single day. We're just there. We're just flesh. But the next part of that verse said, and breathe the life and breathe the breath of life into his nostrils. And man became a living being. Without God, it was our lives are lifeless. Without God, we walk in a circle. Without God, nothing has meaning. But, and, and, and the reason there was no life is because there was no God. But when God showed up on the scene and he breathed life, that wind, that move of the Holy Ghost, his spirit into the life of man, all of a sudden life sprung up. Man took his first breath. Life was worth living again. Hey, man, if you feel like life is not worth living, you don't have a purpose, you feel like there's no meaning, I'm telling you, you're in the right place. God can give you a purpose. He can give you life. He can give something worth meaningfully to live for. <laughs> hey, if things seem dead, whatever you're facing tonight, I want to tell you, involve God. Please, God, let God breathe into your situation. Let him breathe into your family. Let him breathe into your home. Let him breathe into our church and watch something that was dead and void come and form together again and have purpose and life.
And guess what? There won't be any sorrow to it. Amen. Let's all stand tonight. When it's with God, it's all good. When it's with God, it's all good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother, how many are the thoughts and the ways of man? We share this scripture. But the way of the Lord shall prevail. Proverbs says that the way that man thinks in his heart, his ways are right. But at the end of it, it is like rottenness and bitter wormwood. When you involve God, when you involve God, it, he'll make everything worth it all. Amen. I close with this verse 12. Verse 12 and 1, Solomon pins these last words. Remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come, and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. You want to know why you find no pleasure in anything that you do? Because you can't find God in anything that you do. David many times inquired of the Lord before he pursued something. And when the Lord said, don't pursue it, he didn't. Because when he did, it was utter destruction. Not only did he destroy himself, but he, did, but he caused his men to die in battle by the hundreds when he did that. First Samuel 30 and 8, and David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And the Lord answered him, pursue for thou shalt surely overtake them and, rec- and without fail recover all. With God, everything is worth pursuing. And you will get it all. But without God, nothing is worth pursuing and you will lose it all. I don't know who's about to make a big decision in here tonight. I pray you involve God in it. Involve God in it. And if he's in it, it will be successful. If he's in it, it won't be a mistake. If he's in it, there will be no sorrow. But if he's not in it, it's going to be a bad decision. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, my, one of my favorite verses of Scripture. Last one I'm reading to you tonight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean out into your own understanding. In all your ways, all your ways, submit to him. He will make your paths straight. Someone needs to trust God tonight. Involve him. Let him breathe into your life again. Let's close our eyes. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Thank you for your time. Thank you for standing and your attentiveness. Oh, I pray, Lord, tonight, God, I don't know who it is, but, God, I want to encourage, and I hope I encourage somebody to involve you again into their life. Things may seem hopeless, didn't have things seem vain and meaningless, God, but with you, when you step onto the scene, a dead piece of flesh can rise again and become life. Amen. God told Ezekiel, can these bones live again? And when the Spirit of the Lord moved and when God breathed onto those dead bones, they all formed together and stood an exceeding mighty army. I pray you breathe your breath of life into our lives again, God, because with you, nothing is meaningless. With you, everything has purpose. With you, everything is worth pursuing. With you, there are blessings and there are no sorrow added to it. Amen. And we'll recover everything and find true happiness. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, for your help with tonight. Thank you, Lord. Touch every person in here tonight. Be with us as we go through the rest of this week. Be involved in our lives. Help us to keep you involved. 
In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, you'll make our path straight. Amen. Thank you for your attendance. You're dismissed in the fear of the Lord.